I'm not sure where to start this morning, but the, <laughs> the thing that's going through my mind is uh, yesterday, well, not yesterday, Friday, we had my grandson was over for the afternoon. And uh, he and Alistair were building a fire in the backyard. And he's like lots of five years old, five year old kids, or 55 year old kids. <laughs> There's real fascination with fire. And uh, so Alistair's helping him build a fire and keeping it going. And I notice he's really dancing around a lot. And I'm like, Jameson, do you have to go to the bathroom? Why don't you go in the house and pee? No, no, I don't have to. He really has so, he's so excited about what he's doing here. And I'm like, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, Come on, Jameson, you really, I think you really need to go, go, go in the house, take a really quick pee. And he runs over to the side of the yard, pulls down his pants, pees, <laughs> and then runs back. And it just makes me think about how, you know, when we get really enthralled with something, really excited about something, something's ca caught our attention and we're really having a lot of fun and we just kind of ignore oftentimes what our body is telling us. Even uh, to the point where we argue with people around us that can see evidence that something is going on that you should be paying attention to. <laughs> so, so I just ran back and had a lot of fun. Didn't even seem to notice. I'm on the other hand going, oh my gosh, it's really bad on the grass. <laughs> I'm not telling him now. So I've been spending a lot of time in the garden the last few days. I've noticed there's been so I've spent I have been spending so much time on Zoom or FaceTime or computer work <laughs> um, that I'm I'm really <laughs> really am getting physically. Uh, exhausted from from it and and I think really almost getting sick so these last since uh, since Friday so Thursday was my last big meeting another three-hour meeting on on zoom and then Friday I am completely wiped out and uh, actually extended the time for of when Jameson was to come over so that he'd come over when Alistair was here because I was just not feeling well. I had a migraine and slept the rest of the afternoon. And, and then he came over at 2 and 2.30 and hung out with Grantam. And, uh, and I just observed. And so Saturday I decided I, I felt the same way. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, I really got to pull back on how much time I spend on Zoom or on the computer. And uh, so Saturday I decided what would be really good is to get into the dirt, into the gardening. And I went and I bought a bunch of new plants specifically for to draw hummingbirds and butterflies into the, into the yard. And I, I was really exhausted, but I felt like this would be a good thing to do a better thing to do than, than just sleep. So dug into the earth and 
planted these flowers. And the whole time I'm thinking about where, where do they go? How big do they get? Will the hummingbirds come? Am I putting in the right plants? Do I have enough mulch? Have I dug deep enough? You know, my, my mind's really working. Um, and, but I am enjoying the soil and the flowers and plants and whatnot. So I'm, I'm planning those. And I, and I notice that I'm still feeling somewhat anxious, you know, like, did I do this right? Will the plant survive? And so I, I get them all planted up and I, I stand up and I'm looking at the, I've got all my little whatever tags that you get with the plants. And I've got all of those in my hand and I'm looking at them. Did I put them, did I put the ones that need sun together? And, you know, and I'm like, God, I'm not feeling a <laughs> bird. So we did it right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm noticing I'm feeling a little anxious. All of a sudden, I see something flittering around and it's a hummingbird <laughs> has actually come down. The plants are really low right now. It's a hummingbird that's already going after. And so I just stopped, you know, just like, and, no, and I could feel it was a visceral change in feeling, you know, that, oh, this is really, it was very calming. And I just noticed how uncalm I was. I'm trying to do something to, so that one day I can sit and relax and enjoy the hummingbirds and the butterflies coming, the bees. And, you know, it's just like one day, if I do this practice right well enough, one day I'll learn to be at peace. <laughs> you know, what, and, and all the teachings talk about, you know, mindfulness in the moment. This is, this is wisdom. This is what leads us to peace. It's in the moment. It's not out there somewhere in the future down the line. It's noticing right now, am I following a narrative that is anchored in my happiness down the line or anchored in my happiness in conditions that will end? or change, can I just be present with what is happening right now? And I just noticed that jig, you know, when the, all of a sudden I noticed the hummingbirds there already. I had I just finished planting five minutes ago. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm so consumed with the story of, did I do it right? Will the birds come? What sh more should I do? And there's already a bird that has come and I'm, I'm, I'm about to miss it. It catches my attention and it just, my mind just stopped for a couple, for a moment, you know, just stopped and which is a lovely reminder of being present. You know, I, I could still, as, as I watched and enjoyed the hummingbird, I could still hear in the background the churning of I'm not so sure that that plant's going to be, shouldn't be in front of the other, but now I'm not listening. To, now I'm not believing in it. Like I've got to do something about it. Clearly the hummingbird went to actually more plants than I expected, but it went to every one of the five new plants that I had just planted. And then went beyond that to ones that I've never seen a hummingbird go to. 
in fact, plants that I consider weeds. <laughs> I just pulled up a whole bunch of them so I could plant these ones and it actually went to those as well. It was a really, um, I felt really grateful for the amount of teachings that we are exposed to here at this place and the, the, the lovely uh, benefit that we receive over all these years from uh, the lineage that we're involved with, and including you know, expanding our, our contact with the female lineages. You know, it's just, uh, we're very, very fortunate. And as we get ready to one day soon, having them physically back in our presence, it's very easy to get caught up as, as I know this for myself, speaking from my own experience, it's very easy to get caught up in, I will be happy when, I'm Prokasana sitting here, Aya Santusika sitting here, Aya Mananandia sitting here. Maybe if we're lucky, we'll even get Ajahn Nyaniko to stop by and say hello, and, you know, Ajahn Kurunadamo, and, you know. But right now, what do we have right now? We have a connection with all of these wonderful monastics. We have ongoing support. You know, we have a lineage through Ajahn Chah. It spreads from there through both monastic, male monastics and female monastics. And we have a community that supports an entire system for all of us to take place or not to take place, but for all of us to participate in drawing near to these great teachers, to these valuable teachings, to these people who have made a life commitment to living according to the Buddha Dhamma. And then to share with us the ins and outs of the results of their practice. And then it's up to us to take that in whatever uh, capacity, whatever our capacity is to take on these teachings and not compare ourselves to them or each other, but to take advantage of, you know, being near each other. Um, being, being in contact with a community that is working at recognizing and letting go of the three poisons within, their li within our lives of greed, hatred, and, and delusion. Working at understanding what am I ignorant about that still causes me to suffer? What am I ignorant of? Where am I going? What story am I following that's not allowing me at this very moment to just stop 
open to the present moment, be here now without the aid of drugs, <laughs> without the aid of alcohol, what is going to allow me to just be present with a wisdom that understands what is happening? You know, what, returning to my body is what helps me kind of cut that storyline. Noticing the bird, the hummingbird had come, you know, I instantly felt my body relax. I didn't recognize that I was tense. You know, this is what happens when I'm following a story. I get a little tense. You know, when I saw the hummingbird already there, it was just delightful. And, you know, the, the purpose of planting the the purpose of my following a story of is this good enough or not good enough and what should I do next was to bring in the birds and the birds were already there. So we can, we can miss the results of our actions when we get tied up in our story. We can miss the beauty of the moment when we get tied up in our story. Ajahn Pasano talks about um, becoming this in this book. I've got a little reading I'll, I'll do. This is a really great Dhamma talk that he gave some time ago. Let's see if the date's in there. In uh, 2012, eight years ago, nine years ago. And it's a really, and it's about becoming and stopping. Just stop. You know, needing to take a position and follow that, this story based on our defilements or the poisons, the greeds, uh, the ill wills, you know, or the delusions. Needing to become a person that can plant a beautiful garden. Needing to become that person that enjoys Oh, that's so, so fun to see the you know, hummingbird here and now, you know, but just stopping the story and that position of I am doing this, I have done this, I am enjoying this, and just feeling the body relax and noticing the bird and what it's doing. Don't need to make a story out of it, you know, just it just takes us out of the moment. It separates us from the moment. You know, there's um, it's like now we're watching a movie instead of actually feeling, you know, the the flutter of the bird as it goes just past us. You know. So Arjun says. Um, we need to be able to recognize that the movement to becoming is suffering and to not be enticed by the voices of reason, the voices of justification or the voices of habit and the emotional pull towards being and becoming. We need to be able to let go of the fear of letting go. The fear of not being something, not getting what one wants, 
not being what one thinks one should be or would like to be or to have, to get, to become. There's a tremendous, almost primal fear of actually being peaceful, of really letting go, of putting stuff down, of putting identity down, of putting the compulsions down. We want to be able to watch the fear and see it and to identify it and to know that is the source of suffering. The becoming towards, the pull towards becoming and being, that's the source of suffering. Sariputta expressed it well when he said, Nibbana is a cessation of becoming. Nibbana is not an ethereal realm somewhere, someplace, or an idealistic goal off in the future of an attainment of something or other that is idealized or intellectualized. Nibbana is the freedom from suffering, and to paraphrase, paraphrase Sariputta, freedom from suffering is the cessation of becoming. That's the whole purpose, why we come here, why we live here, why we study the teachings, why we practice the teachings. It is for the cessation of becoming, for the cessation of suffering. If your goal is to create more suffering, per perpetuate suffering, you've come to the wrong place. Just gonna skip. A little bit, the very act of establishing mindfulness in the moment is an opportunity to step back from the impulse of becoming. Recognizing the power of mindfulness is wisdom in and of itself. The sustaining, cherishing, willingness to maintain the quality of mindfulness takes relinquishment. It takes letting go. It takes a willingness to not accede to the power of becoming and to recognize the tremendous power and being mindful. On one level, the teachings of the Buddha and the tools that he gives us are extraordinarily direct and straightforward. When we apply them, we see the results. They are visible here and now. One can experience them for oneself. The nature of Dhamma is, is that it is well taught, well, well proclaimed. It has a tangible benefit. It invites one to see here and now. It leads inward to be experienced by each wise person for themselves. Each moment of mindfulness is an opportunity to verify the Dhamma of the Buddha. But in order to verify them, it, to really experience them, you have to be mindful. You have to be willing to pay attention, to not be swept up and swept along by the power of habit and the power of becoming. Sometimes we need to actually stop what we're doing physically, just step back and recollect in order to create a break in that flow of activity. But the main thing is to reflect on the fact that what we're doing is internal. How much of the time we do just pick, how much of the time do we just get picked up, carried off and swept away by a thought or a mood? We need to stop. Not get drawn into the movement of a thought, of aversion, of irritation. But just one little seed gets planted and the ball of becoming starts to roll on. It starts moving and pretty soon we have worked ourselves into a state of anger, into a state of conflict. That's what we become. In the same way, greed or desire begins with a thought of liking, interest, fascination, and then becoming the, the 
the coming ball starts rolling. So just, I mean, it's so simple. If we can only recognize that we're following our story of what we want, what we reject, what we refuse to admit is the reality of the situation. If we just stop following this story, taking a position, because when we're in this story, we're taking a position. You know, it should be like this. I deserve that. You know, get out of my way. You know, we're just following a story that allows us that we've built up so we can take a position. But by taking this position, we separate ourselves from reality. We separate ourselves from the beauty of the moment. And now it might not be a mystical moment. It might be, it might not be. Most of the time it's just like, you know, everyday moments. But even in these natural, normal, neutral, 99% of our experience time moments, in, in, in my experience anyway, even when we are in these normal, complacent moments, we don't have to take a position of, I am now bored, or I need to go get something to entertain myself. Or ever since that person left, I have no more fun. Or whatever it is, we take a position, separate ourselves from the reality of this moment. We're off in our heads, building a story, making a reality that is not in, making a story that is not in line with this moment. What is happening in this moment? Remember, I, I told this story before, actually a couple of times, but it fits again for this moment, for this talk. And I remember a person I was talking to shared a story about always having had, had a goal of climbing Mount St. Helens and uh, missed the chance before the mountain blew. And then 10 years later, a group of friends are going to go and they're going to climb it to the, to the ridge and then climb back down. And asked if she'd like to go along and she was thrilled. Yes, always wanted to climb Mount St. Helens. And so she went, they came, they climbed the mountain. I, I can't remember how high it is. It's like 12,000 feet, 14. <laughs> Say it's, it's like, I don't know how high it is. I'll just say, let's round it off to 10,000 feet. And so they're, they're climbing the mountain and she's actually starting to get exhausted. And she, she's asking her group to, can we slow down? And so they start to slow down and she's like, I'm just gonna rest for a moment. Can we rest? And they're like, you know, if we, if we don't keep going, we're gonna miss we're gonna miss getting to the top. We don't have that much time to get back down before dusk and the permit doesn't allow you, allow them at that time anyway, I don't know what it is today, to be out there past dusk. 
well, go ahead and climb. I'll catch up with you in a few minutes. And then she sat down and she realized, you know, she's at like, say, 8,000 feet. And she realizes that I, I can't keep going. And I don't know where they are now. They've disappeared. And, and she started this story about how upset she was that her she couldn't do it. She was so disappointed that all, the rest of the group, every single one of them, were able to make it to the top. She couldn't do it. That was her goal. I'm just... I'm just weak. Maybe I'm too old. I just, and so how do I deal with this feeling of despair about this failure? You know, it was like, which is really interesting because the failure was all made up. It was a story that she was following about I should be able to complete this, this thought. This, this is a goal, but yes, it's only the goal is a thought that I am going to get to the top of this mountain, period. Didn't get to the top, but what she didn't pay attention to was where she was in that moment. So I just asked her, well, what was it like when you sat down? What was it like there? What did you see? And she explained this beautiful scenery, you know, and then she talked about her, did you have a lunch with you? Did you, yeah, she talked about the little picnic that she brought up, you know, and just like, so it wasn't all bad. <laughs> and so just, it was just very interesting to turn our attention to what the experience actually was instead of the story that we build up, the position that we've taken and the story that we've built up to support our position. I should, I should have been able to complete this. I failed because I didn't, you know, or to recognizing this and then going back to, well, what actually took place rather than that story, what actually took place? I sat at 8,000 feet and looked out over the valleys and I could see, you know, the wildlife and the beginning of wildlife flowers of, um, you know, coming back and it was just like the story was completely different. I mean, the experience was different than the story that she had built up and followed. And that's what we do. You know, we get caught up in our moments. Jameson got caught up in his moment and almost peed his pants. I'd rather he just peed in my garden instead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and and there's relief <laughs> when we're in the moment. It felt much better for him to not have to fight the distraction. So just to be really quick, I walked out to the garden this morning. So I just planted those yesterday and I walked out to the garden this morning. And <laughs> In my mind, I'm like, I'm going to see, you know, these plants are going to be all like, I just planted them and they're all like happy and upright. And <laughs> I walked out this morning and they're like, <laughs> I didn't plant them deep enough and they're tall and they just kind of like fell over. And I had to laugh because that's not being completely mindful and that's what I get. <laughs> 
but at least I got to enjoy the uh, little hummingbird and I stood there for five minutes and sure enough, the hummingbird came back. <laughs> so all is not a disaster. <laughs> so with that, I've gone a little bit over. I'll uh, go ahead and close it out. Thank you very much for coming. I will say really quick, before, so that I don't forget, Debbie Stamp will be giving the Dhamma talk next Sunday. So we'll be here. Those of us who show up will still be here and Debbie will be on the TV and maybe we can find a way to turn the, we'll turn the, get, bring up another, we'll find a way so that you guys, whoever comes can also see Yeah, that'll be, that'll be lovely to be able to see her. Um, and then next month, it'll be, who's coming next month? Lombard Vasano. <laughs> oh, sorry, who, who's coming in June? Uh, oh, Gyokuko, the Zen teacher, the woman who, the abbots that we bought this building from, she'll be here. And then Lombard Vasano. And then we'll see from there. So, also, to my understanding, next month that would be cool and Jessica. I can't hear you. That would also be cool and Jessica, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, us too. <laughs> You're coming, right? You do it. <laughs> um, so, great. I'd love to hear from anybody that would love be willing to share uh, here or there. <laughs> And uh, anything going on for you in your practice, um, whether or not on topic for today, but just really, really like hearing from, from others checking in. Uh, including you, Jessica, if you have anything you'd like to share. Mm -hmm. Well, my story is that whenever I'm doing, I have to do it in a hurry. And when I start hurrying, then I have to hurry more. Yeah. And I'm driving myself crazy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's my story. Yeah. It's very hard for me to slow down. Can Can you at home hear when we when the person? Did you just hear Renee? Were you able to hear her? Oh, good. Who can I hear? I was asking people here on uh, at home if they could hear you, which they could. Yes, Tim. Well, I was just on a road trip last week and I was hurrying along very successfully on the highway and then I realized I was going the wrong direction. <laughs> so I think I made really good time in the wrong direction. <laughs> I made really good time to make up the time. Yes, Jessica. That phrase that was running kind of popped into my mind when during your talk was. Uh, the work, the work is now. The fruits are now. <laughs> the effort is now, and the fruits are now. 
especially if we didn't start the effort today, <laughs> then there's already fruit. Yeah. And that, that really is, that's, I understand that to be, you know, the goal, but I, uh, it never came up in my mind like that until just today. The, the work is now and the fruits are now. And, you know, I think especially in our um, culture, we're, we're really trained from birth in these binaries. The work is now, the fruits are later. <laughs> or the work is later and the fruits are now. It's Saturday now and it will be Monday later. It's Tuesday now and soon it will be Friday. And um, I think, you know, that, that does lead to this sense uh, that Renee is, is speaking to maybe, or at least in my experiences, you know, hurry through the work so I can get to the fruits. And, um, you know, I was thinking of, of being on, it's been a while since I've been on retreat. And uh, retreats really like a silent meditation retreat. It's really a place where I've had that experience come to life in all of its many colors. The work is now and the fruits are now. And in, in those moments of silence, hours and hours and hours and days of silence, <laughs> uh, neither the work nor the fruits can be avoided. Um, they're both present. So just um, uh, really appreciating that, that reminder to see both, to not, to not relax in our efforts, but at at the same time, not to miss the fruits of those efforts as they're buzzing by. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. Who? Uh, I wasn't sure if you were. <laughs> <laughs> Alistair, hey. can you speak up? I have to confess that it's it's hard for me to when we talk about being in the present or being in the present or now. It's, I really have to apply effort to not make that now some particular special now. But probably in the near future, you know, I've thought about this a little bit more or you know when everyone's gone and packing out for it. It's constant work to go, okay, I'm just going to do now, now, <laughs> and now, and uh, the phrase I try to bring to mind, although it's not work, is just, it's just not hard, because the future is made of one substance and one substance only, the present. <laughs> <laughs> so skill in the present is the only skill you need for the future. Um, but it's still, it's still, I have to keep working at bringing it now closer to where I'm actually at. Yeah, it's interesting how how we don't recognize that the, that there's no reality in the then now. No, off into the future, they'll, it'll be like this. It's like a, a then now, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> now, now. 